Hello, good morning. It's great to see you all. Nice to see everyone in person rather than on the other side of a screen. For me, it's still a little bit of a novelty, so it's nice to, to see you all. And a special hello to everybody who's watching at home and those who are away this half term who I'm sure will be watching back and listening back. Special hello and good morning to you as well. So as Ben mentioned there, I'm, I'm really excited this morning to be continuing with our Stand Out theme. And before we jump into that this morning, I thought it'd be kind of fun for us to, because it is half time, we'll, we'll play a quick game. Now, is there anybody in here this morning who likes watching movies? Show of hands, who here likes to watch a good movie? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I love movies. There's something about sitting in a darkened room with a bowl of popcorn, getting lost in a good story. And I want to talk about three movies, three films this morning, and I'm wondering if we've got any movie buffs in here this morning who can see a link and a theme between all three of these movies. So, if we could put up our first movie poster this morning. This is The Truman Show, and this was filmed in 1998. Who here has seen The Truman Show? Quite a few years old now, so you're showing your age a little bit there. Well, The Truman Show, it's about a man who is unaware that he is living on a movie set. His entire life is being filmed and recorded and broadcast across the whole world. If you've never seen it, go and see The Truman Show. It's a great movie. So that's my first movie I want to talk about this morning. The second one is The Matrix. Now, this came out a year later in 1999. I thought, Rob, like your analogies, they're a bit out of date, mate. Like you need to get some new movies. But, however, the fourth installment of The Matrix is coming out in December. So I am right up to date. I'm going to read out the synopsis because this one, I can't just explain it in a sentence. It says this, The Matrix depicts a dystopian future in which humanity is unknowingly trapped inside a simulated reality. The Matrix, which intelligent machines have created to distract humans while their bodies are used as an energy source. When computer programmer Thomas Anderson, under the alias Neo, uncovers the truth, He is drawn into a rebellion against the machines, along with other people who have been freed from the Matrix. Very exciting. My third and final movie, Inception, 2010. I was like, we're a bit newer. We're still not particularly new, are we? Who's seen Inception here? Okay, dream within a dream. Who watched Inception and understood the movie? Yeah, the second time round. Yeah, for those of you who've not seen this, it's ultimately about people going inside people's dreams to plant an idea. It's a little bit confusing. Well, we've got three movies then. I'm hoping that you've seen at least one or two of those movies. Can anybody here guess the common theme and thread across those three movies? Does anyone want to be brave and shout out this morning? Sheridan. Very good. Ten points to Sheridan. Give him a round of applause. Absolutely. Within all of those movies, we have characters who are living out their lives. They're living out in a world, and they are completely unaware of the existence of another world, of something bigger outside of what they currently know and live 
And within all three of these movies, there is an element of truth. And today I want to unpack what that looks like. So our first scripture of this morning is going to be from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 14. And it says this, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light which produces only which is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it's said, and this is the key part. Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And the Apostle Paul there is actually quoting from the Old Testament, from from the book of Isaiah. But it says there, for those of us who now live in Christ, that we were once full of darkness. And it says there, as people of the light, we're called to no longer take part in these deeds of evil and darkness. And it all sounds very serious. But when you actually break it down, when you think about it, what is it to live in darkness? Just really simply, darkness is the absence of light. And to live in darkness is to live without God in your life. And actions aside, if we have God in our lives, then what remains. But the great thing about coming to Jesus is that we have a light in our lives, that actually we stand out because we are illuminated with hope. All of a sudden we are filled with power. Awake, oh sleeper. There's something about being aware of our existence and being aware of the very presence of God in our lives. For some of us, it's really easy to get sucked into the the rat race of life and just go from one thing to another, whether it's chasing after that next job, where it's chasing after that relationship. There are so many things that can distract us in our lives from God. In 2 Corinthians 4, it, it describes it as a spiritual blindness. And just like with all three of those movies there, there's this idea and this theme of us being spiritually asleep, that we are not yet awoken spiritually. But the light of Jesus in our lives, it causes us to stand out, and we are called to live as people of the light. And it causes us to act differently to those around us. And I believe it comes from being filled with the power of Holy Spirit. It comes from being filled with the love of Jesus. So today, I want us to continue with this theme of standing out. And the, the, the tagline that I've been given is this, stand out with a missional mindset. And that's what I want to talk about today. Now, I don't know for you, when you think about missions and what missions look like, I'm sure for many of you, you have this picture of traveling abroad, of going to another country and going and sharing the good news of Jesus. And that is a definition of missions. But I actually believe it's broader than that. That actually, each and every one of us has been called to a mission. And I've got a a phrase here, and I want you to dwell on this for a moment, but missions is a mindset 
not a location. Let me say that again. Missions is a mindset, not a location. And that I believe there are people called to full-time missionaries, and it is a gift to be able to go to a foreign country. But I believe each and every one of us, where God has placed us, we are called to a mission. And this morning, I want to look at one of the greatest missionaries that has ever lived. And that person this morning is Jesus. It's really, it's really that simple. And you might think, well, is Jesus really the best example? Because scholars believe that he actually only traveled uh, no further than a radius of 100 miles from where he originally originated from. Now, don't get me wrong, within that radius, he traveled back and forth an awful lot. But when you actually think about it, one of the reasons why I think Jesus is such a great missionary is because he literally came from one kingdom to another. He came from heaven to earth. He came from what is perfection down into a broken, fallen world. And we can learn a lot from the way that Jesus lived. So I've got a, a scripture that I want to read out from Philippians. And this is going to be a focus scripture for us to drill down into this morning. It's from Philippians 3, verse 17 to, eight, uh, 17 to 20. And it says this. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. And learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I will say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our saviour. So as I said this morning, I want to break this passage down a little bit. And first of all there in verse 17, it tells us to pattern our lives after Paul. And he says, pattern my lives as we pattern after Christ. And that might be a little bit of an unfamiliar term for some of you, because it's quite an old-fashioned word. Unless you've been brought up in a, an engineering type environment, or maybe a manufacturing type environment, you might not have heard of this phrase, pattern, before. But to put it in uh, another... Uh, trying to the word now. Put it in another way. Um, the word pattern, it could be a master... It could be a template, or it could be an outline. And I've got a definition here of what a pattern is. And this is in the context of uh, metal forming and casting. And it says this, in casting, a pattern is a replica of the object to be cast, used to prepare the cavity in which molten material will be poured during the casting process. Now, so some of you might have got that. Some of you might be even more confused. So I've actually got an example of a pattern up here with me. For those of you that don't know, I work in the 3D printing industry, and I've got a 3D printed pattern. So the black part that you can see here, that is the printed part. And what we do with this pattern, we print it out, and then around it we pour this lovely silicon material. And once that has been formed, we then remove the pattern and we're then left with a cavity. 
And what the Apostle Paul here is saying is that, that we should pattern our lives after him, that we should pattern our lives after Christ. And what that does, it creates a cavity in our life. It creates space for God to come and fill us. And this phrase of a pattern maker, it's very much a lost trade these days. There are a few pattern makers still out there. And traditionally, a lot of patterns would have been made out of wood. So it would have taken getting a block of wood and carving and chiseling away a block of wood until you're left with something that resembles the shape that you're trying to replicate. But the thing about a pattern maker is that it's a very time-consuming process. It takes much time and patience to perfect that piece of wood, to be able to sand out any of the blemishes, to fill in any of the holes so that we're left with a perfect form. And I believe in the same way that we are called to pattern our lives after Jesus. And what does that look like? I believe it looks like standing out, but it also looks like setting an example to those around us as well. And in verse 19, it continues there, and it talks about those headed for destruction. And just to give a bit of context to this, the Apostle Paul is actually talking about false teachers of the day. But one of the things he says in there about these false teachers, it says that they only think about life here on this earth. And just like those movies, as people of the light, we need to be careful we don't fall into that trap of just living in the here and the now. And the final part of this passage in verse 20, it tells us, and this is the most exciting part for me, it tells us that we are citizens of heaven. And I want to really focus on this and use the, a good amount of our time to look at what this is. Now again, to break down that word citizen or to look at it as, as citizenship, the definition of that is the state of being a member of a particular country and having rights because of it. So what the Apostle Paul is telling us here that we, when we come to Christ, become citizens of heaven. And what's interesting about this passage is when the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, that region of Philippi was actually a Roman colony. So that phrase of being a citizen would have carried so much weight, uh, so much more weight for that church. See, if you lived in Philippi and if you were a Roman citizen, you automatically became better than everybody else because you were given honor because of your citizenship. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that he's reminding the congregation that actually they should look to Jesus as their pattern and not be looking to Caesar as a way of life. So this is where this idea of patterning your life, replicating your life, And being a a citizen of Rome, it carried some really good legal and social advantages. And I've got a few of them here for you. It gave you the, the right to vote. Now, for some of you, that might excite you. For some of you, less so. But what that would mean is that you could participate in local elections. So you actually made a difference in the region in which you lived. You had the right to own property, so you could make that place your home. Now, this should get one or two amens, but it gave you the right 
to then not have to pay some taxes, especially local taxes. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Uh, (laughs) It gave you the right to have a trial and to be heard by a judge. You couldn't be tortured uh, and whipped for certain penalties. Uh, You could serve in the legions, so you could, uh, you could, um, you could, fight in the armed forces and you'd have an active part and expand in the empire. And then finally, if you were struggling financially and you lived in Rome, there was actually a grain supply uh, that could be given to you if you were lacking food. Now they're all examples of what it is to be a citizen of Rome, but this morning I want to focus on what it looks like to be a citizen of heaven. And in just the same way, it gives us advantages and it also gives us a role to play in our lives as well. So as a citizen of heaven, we have been given forgiveness for everything that we've ever done wrong. We receive the forgiveness for our sins. We receive salvation. We inherit eternal life. We become part of an everlasting kingdom. We are called sons and daughters by our heavenly Father. We receive the person of the Holy Spirit who is sent as a helper and a comforter who gives us strength and power. We are promised every spiritual blessing. We have the promise that God will be our provider. We are given riches in heaven. We receive healing both spiritually, emotionally, and even we can receive it physically. We have the fruit of the Holy Spirit bear and take fruit in our lives. We can receive deliverance. We can have renewal. We become a new creation. Last of all, most importantly, I believe, is once we receive those things, is that we play an active role in heaven coming to earth. We have a part to play in building the kingdom of God. Being a citizen of heaven causes us to stand out to those around us. And my first point this morning is this, seated with Jesus. And really, this this bit of scripture that I'm going to read out, all it is 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 theology. On its own, it's theology. It just gives us understanding of, of who we are in Christ. But when we apply those things to our lives, when we have understanding, it brings revelation. And when we have revelation, it can then empower us and gives us an identity of who we are in Christ. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to 7 says this, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our many sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ Jesus. We've been raised to life. We've been awoken spiritually. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and has seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he's done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. We've been awoken, we've been brought back to life, and we've been seated with Christ. 
And the passage here, it talks about us being seated with Christ in heavenly realms, which is quite an interesting one to get your head around. But we are sat with Jesus in the spiritual realms, that wherever Jesus is at the moment, whether that is in heaven and the spiritual realms, we are sat with him spiritually. And just as we ask Jesus into our lives and we invite him into our lives, in the same way, a part of us is then with Christ in heaven. And as I said, this on its own is just knowledge. It doesn't really change very much. But when we then take that part of our identity, that we are connected with him in heaven, it begins to change our viewpoint on the world. And for some of you sat here this morning, you might be sitting here and thinking, this all sounds great, Rob. I'd love to be a citizen of heaven. I'd love to be called a son and daughter of God. But maybe you've never responded to Jesus before. I want to quickly give you that opportunity right now. And I just want to just ask, would everyone just close their eyes and just bow their heads? And I'm going to say a quick prayer. And if you're sat here this morning and you've never invited Jesus into your life, if you've never made that conscious decision or you might have even made it a long time ago and walked away from him, today you have that opportunity to turn around and run back to Jesus. And you can do that simply by just praying this prayer in your heart. Jesus, I choose to follow you today. Jesus, would you forgive me for the things that I've got wrong in my life? Today, I choose to follow you and become a citizen of heaven. Amen. Just while everyone's got their eyes closed, and if you could just keep your heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer this morning, and you've prayed that for the first time, if you've prayed that in heart, you've become a citizen of heaven. You've been forgiven for your, everything you've ever got wrong in your life. But I just want to give you an opportunity to respond and just to raise your hand in a moment, just to let myself and some of the team know that you've made that decision today because we'd love to pray with you. We'd hate for you to go without us having that opportunity to speak with you. So if that's you this morning, just very quickly, you can just raise your hand, give me a cheeky little wave and we would love to come and speak with you. Amen. Amen. So we are citizens of heaven. We stand out. We are seated with Jesus. It changes the priority in our lives. We're no longer looking at our life here on the earth, but actually we're looking somewhere else. My second point this morning is this, watch Jesus. And in John 5, 19 to 20, we see something really interesting. We, we see Jesus saying something I think that is really interesting, where Jesus says the son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. And the reason why I think this is so interesting is because if you think about it, up until the, the 30 plus years that he had on planet earth, up until that point, he spent the whole of the existence of time with God the Father. They've been in communion, they've been in relationship, they've been in conversation. But when Jesus then comes to earth, he doesn't take anything for granted. He doesn't just presume the will of the Father. And what we see in a regular basis when you open up the Gospels, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, on so many occasions we see that it says Jesus went off to pray. And I believe that in those times he was seeking the will of the Father. He was asking, about, he was asking God about the day and the weeks ahead of him. 
And for those of you that are in small groups, you'll know that we've been reading the book, The Elimination of Hurry. And what that book is all about, it's about making space in our lives for God. It's making space to hear from the Father. It's creating that cavity. It's carving out that time in our lives to focus on the Father. And for those of you that know me at the beginning of this year, I became a father myself. And Eli, who's uh, nearly 10 months old now, uh, we've got into a little bit of a routine of in the mornings, we we get up together and we go down. I put him into his high chair and I'll put on the kettle and I'll make my breakfast. And I don't know what it is. Well, I do know what it is. We've got a see-through kettle and Eli absolutely loves it. He goes nuts for watching it. He loves watching the bubbles uh, and he loves a microwave as well. Who knew? But every morning we have the same routine where I plunk him down and he, he just like so intently watches me make my breakfast. It's like porridge, water. It has nothing particularly exciting about it. But there are some days where he's just like completely distracted. He'll, he'll be playing with his toy. He'll be like too wriggly to sit still and he misses what it is that I'm doing. And I think it's a great metaphor for the busyness of our lives, that sometimes we can be so focused on our lives here and now that we don't take time to to look what the Father's doing and to listen what the Father is doing. And in order to have a missional mindset, we need to be intentional. And I see so much throughout the Gospels, Jesus was so intentional. Quite often he'd be walking somewhere, someone might come to him and say, Jesus, can you come and pray for this person? And on his way there, quite often he'd be stopped. He would meet somebody and he would stop and make the time to, to, to speak to that person, to pray or to heal or to do something with that person. And we can learn from that. And in John 4, we see a great account where Jesus uh, goes about an everyday task. He goes to get some water at a well. And when he's there, he meets a lady. And in this everyday, ordinary situation of, you know, the office around the water cooler, he, he stops and he gives a word of knowledge. And that word of knowledge transforms this lady's life. So much so that she goes back to her hometown and tells everybody about what Jesus has just told her. And the challenge that I think we all have is in our daily activities and our daily comings and goings is to be looking out for those God opportunities. And my challenge for you this morning is for you each individually to start your day by asking God the Father, Father, what do you want to do through me today? And for some of you, if you've got a prophetic gift, it might be that as, you, as you're praying that prayer, that in your mind's eye, you, you, you can visualize someone. For some of you, it could be as simple as as you're praying, that God just puts a word on your heart or somebody's name on your heart. Or it, I mean, that's, that, you could say, well, that's, that's really over-spiritualized. It could just be that as you go about your day, as you go into the office, that you just see a need. You see an opportunity and you respond to it. But whatever it looks like for you, I want to challenge you and encourage you this morning to look out for those opportunities. Because if we're too busy, if we're too rushed, we can miss what God is wanting to do through us. We need to watch Jesus as Jesus watched the Father and pattern our lives after him. My third and final point this morning is this, keys to the kingdom. And in Matthew 16, 19, Jesus says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
And we're told here that Jesus holds these keys to the kingdom of heaven. And I believe that as citizens of heaven, we are also given the authority to use these keys. And these keys, it says, are for binding and for loosing. So what does that mean? Well, to loosen things, I believe it's the loosening the power of sin over people's lives. Where that, that imagery we have of, of darkness wrapping itself around people. As people of the light, we have that authority to, buy, to break that off people. That we can bind the works of the devil Because there is a devil and there is an enemy who is at work in this world. But we have authority as citizens of heaven to bind the works of the enemy. We have a part to play in heaven coming to earth. We have the authority to introduce people to Jesus. We have the authority to pray over those who are sick and see them healed. We have the authority to break the chains of oppression upon people's lives. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus here on the earth. We are citizens of heaven. And my question for you this morning is what are you going to do with the keys that you've been given? I'm going to invite Dave up to, to come and play on the keys. And for those of you that have been reading the, the book, The Elimination of Hurry in Small Groups, you'll know there's a really great question in there that's asked. And it, it's this, how would Jesus live if he were me? And I think it's a great question. Again, in the 1990s, we had that, what would Jesus do? Wristbands. But if Jesus went into your workplace, how would he act? What conversations might he have in your break room? If Jesus studied at your school, your your college, your university, how might he go about introducing himself to people? If Jesus did your weekly shop, who would he stop and talk to? If Jesus came to your house for Sunday lunch, who would he invite along? Jesus lived in your street, who might he befriend? If Jesus did the school run, who would he stop and talk to at the school gates? I want you to ask yourself this morning, how would Jesus live if he were me? How would he act? Would he offer to pray with someone? Would he offer a word of encouragement? Would he be sat in here with us today, serving on ministries, reaching out to our city? Would he help someone in need? Would he share his testimony and who God is in his life? As a citizen of heaven, what does it look like to stand out in your life? And the amazing thing about standing out and having a missional mindset is that we don't have to do it in our own strength. The light that we have in our lives, we don't create it as such. We just pattern our lives after the one who gives us the light. And I want to read out just one last very short scripture. And this is the account where Jesus has been crucified on the cross. And his, he, at this point, he would have, his body would have either been in the tomb or it's gone missing. And we see that the disciples are afraid. 
and they go and they lock themselves behind closed doors. And Jesus miraculously appears to them through the locked door. And he says this in John 20, 21 and 22. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And we have one of the most least COVID-friendly phrases now. He says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And that invitation and that sending out is still valid for us today. That Jesus is here today speaking to us, saying, as the Father has sent me, I send you. And he sends us out in the power of Holy Spirit. And just as we come to a close this morning, I want to just give us that opportunity to receive from the Holy Spirit afresh today. And I'm going to invite the band to just come up to the stage and and come and get ready. And for the rest of us as we pray, I thought it'd be good to just stand as a a sign of a response this morning. So if you'd like to just uh, stand where you are or you can stay seated, but it's about a posture in your heart this morning. And I want to pray that that the Holy Spirit would come and fill each of us afresh and new today, that we would have a renewed sense of purpose in our lives. But I also want to put a challenge out here as well. If you're here this morning, and if you have never received from the Holy Spirit before, if you've never received the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And as we sing and we worship, you can pray that Holy Spirit will come and rest upon you. But we're also going to have the prayer team available this morning. And we're going to be here and available to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit for the very first time. But for the rest of us, let's pray this prayer. If you want to hold out your hands as a, as a sign of response, you can do that this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you've been here with us today. Jesus, we thank you for the example that you have set in your word. Thank you that you have shown us a way to live our lives, that we can pattern our lives after you. And Holy Spirit, today we ask, would you come and would you fill us afresh today? the areas of our lives where we may be feeling inadequate this morning. I pray would your light, your power, your love, would it just come and would it fill each of us individually afresh today? That as we go out into our weeks, that we would go out filled afresh and anewed in your power, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.